Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Changing the Climate, a show where we talk about the changing world around us and how we can make it better. Brought to you by Climate Change Realty. All right, hello, hello, hello everyone, and we are back with another episode. I am very excited to have Artem Nikolkov on the show. So Artem, thanks so much for being here, man. It's a pleasure, and thank you. You're very welcome. Always a pleasure, as we see every single week. And I always love to get the show started with a little bit of background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, thanks for the introduction. Um, I have been in Colorado since 2002 and originally have moved here. My family have moved, has moved here from Kyrgyzstan and Central Asia, from the opposite side of the world. Um, and I've always been into technology and tinkering with things. Um, I remember being at my grandma's uh, at an early age and uh, having one of the radios, actually the only radio that we had, um, go out and she just handed me the, the, the radio and said, go, you know, do whatever you want with it. So I took it apart down to its last components and took out every single screw and uh, just was sitting there in front of uh, all of these electronic components. And uh, that, that's been my journey really though or highlighting the journey with electronics i've always wanted to tinker and that has not stopped no. um so uh i've been uh operating earth coast productions for the past 10 years and we actually just celebrated our 10-year anniversary this past Woo-hoo! sunday on march 14th pi day congrats man hell yeah thank you yeah so it's, it's been quite a journey between uh taking apart radios to having um a successful company uh focusing on media production and live broadcasting and i'm sure we'll dig into some exciting things there oh but yeah it's, uh, gonna... it's an honor to be here on the show yeah no it's a pleasure to have you man i'm excited to talk about your whole journey obviously you know you guys know I'm lo- i love entrepreneurship and especially the emphasis that you've kind of taken with your company is what's piqued my interest i just want to ask when did you first move to the u.s uh, 2002. So it's, uh, yeah, coming up on 20 years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 20 years. Right on, man. Well, we're happy to have you and I, and I love what your company is doing. So, um, yeah, so obviously I do my background research on the people before I meet them and you, you and I had a nice conversation last week. So I guess wanted to start the podcast off by kind of asking you, you, you wanted to create this business that's rooted in environmental action and community engagement. And I'm just curious where you think this desire has, has come from. And so you're obviously, you do a lot of work with companies that are pursuing like positive change, whether it be in the environmental space or like in the social space. So I'm just interested kind of where that interest kind of began. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, been something that is been my spiritual path, I would say um, of discovering nature and discovering how I, as a person on this planet living in this time and am connected to nature and then seeing that we're, living in increasingly technologically um, dominated world. I mean, there's just so much technology all around us and trying to bridge the gap and find uh, this common space of technology meets nature and nature meets technology. And how do we use this force of technology for good uh, and to create the world we want to all live in and ultimately pass it on to our children um, and you know, not destroy it. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, seeing how much um, rhetoric there is uh, around really technology for the sake of technology. And um, it, I think it's really helpful to ask the question of 
what can I do with this? What can I really create with the tools that I'm given? And we have incredible power um, in our pockets. We all have uh, phones and um, really amazing devices all around us that allow us to go virtual at any time, host podcasts like you're doing right now, um, and communicate the message that really uh, furthers the understanding of uh, nature and our connection to it, growing our own food and uh, restoring the vitality of the earth. And so we work with um, a number of different nonprofits that are focused exactly in on, on those things. And so uh, my mission and my company's mission is to increase and further that message uh, and further the mission of these types of companies. And so uh, that mission alignment is very important to what I do in the media world and in the types of uh, projects that we take on. And it's been um, a really wonderful place to yeah. have uh, creative media. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate you being here on the show to get your perspective. So you mentioned a, a story from when you were a kid, how you always like to tinker with technology. And obviously I've seen your work and you're really good at, at what you do, but I'm curious, are, are, did you move straight to Boulder, Colorado? Is that where you moved straight in the U S yeah, we moved to uh, the Denver area um, and the where I moved to from uh, Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan is Conifer, Colorado, uh, which is just west of uh, Denver there. Yeah. So you've spent a lot of your life being kind of surrounded by nature, but at the same time, you've seen all this development kind of going up and you've seen the rise of the smartphone and obviously the rise of the internet in the early 2000s. It's kind of interesting. Would, would you consider, I've been categorized as an... Uh, an ecological modernist, which is someone who thinks we can solve <laughs> environmental issues through technology. And then there's obviously people on the other side of the camp who think we should stop growing and stop having technology. Would you consider yourself kind of in that camp or kind of an independent kind of guy? I don't want to categorize you here, but I figured <laughs> I would ask. I've never heard the term of ecological modernist, but I like it. And um, I, I would wear that one with, with, with honor um, because I think that we have incredible things at our disposal. And um, I am not in the camp of AI, like all out technology and mm -hmm. being maybe, uh, you know, it just really depends on where you, you kind of draw that line of uh, being in that, in that technological space. But I think the fact that we have GPS, the, the fact that we have satellite imagery, uh, the fact that we can track a lot of these things that we otherwise couldn't have, and on top of it, adding the automation and having all of these uh, timers and sensors be turned on and off by um, the sun being in a certain spot or amount of energy being drawn there or the presence of water or any of those types of sensors, um, it really uh, allows for a very efficient growing of food, for example. So the things that I'm describing make for a very efficient greenhouse. And there are people who are building those types of uh, greenhouses. And uh, in terms of earthships being able to be uh, very efficient in how they recycle water and how mm -hmm. uh, it's really its own ecosystem. And so the more that we can start thinking about how do we create this contained uh, ecosystem around us in, where, in a place where we live, um, in a place where we work, and then on a larger scale in our community, and that's really as far as it needs to go uh, to transform the world, because you are thinking global when you're thinking about like, how do I make my home more efficient? 
because it takes all of us doing that uh, individually. Absolutely. And yeah, right. Individually, but also I think we do, we're in this really strange part in history or time in history where we have these amazing tools that allow us to communicate with everyone around the world. But it seems like it's, it's just, it's not that there's a lack of connectivity. It's a, it's a lack of like listening, you know, we can all communicate with each other, but we're all, even me, like trying to bark out our own visions into the world. And I think if we just kind of, I don't know, that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast is give everyone a chance to kind of share their story. So then everyone can see when you, I feel like when you humanize someone, it's very hard to be like that person's wrong. We need to destroy them. But (laughs) one way or the other, I want to talk a bit about your story more. Um, What what has your experience been like? Because obviously you're very entrepreneurial. You run your own company. How did you get started doing this kind of work? Yeah, I mean, uh, going all the way back, I would say it started with me being interested in what does it take to launch a business? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just got very curious with, with the idea of that's, that that's something that's possible. Um, and I started researching online and this is uh, back when you could go and get like a stack of AOL discs at your, your local grocery store. And uh, it was dial up connections. Uh, and that, that was my first computer, you know, still with floppy disk cool. and AOL <laughs> disk and nice. all of those things. Yeah, fun stuff. Um, and looking at what uh, is required and what kind of business you can run. And, um, you know, I was a little kid in middle school um, that has come to America. And I was like, I'm going to start a lawn mowing business. What does it require to start a lawn mowing business? Badass. And yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it takes printing a business card like this. Yeah. yeah. Except smaller. And uh, I was like, it's oh, yeah, initiative. Well, it takes initiative. And so I, I, you know, ordered, uh, some paper to print business cards on. That's a little bit thicker. I designed my first, you know, graphics work, I guess, uh, of the business card. And I just left a bunch of business cards in the neighborhood with like a little rock on top of the trash can. And I had some calls coming in. I was like, this is amazing. Like that's all it takes is a piece of paper, you know, I was like like 13, 13 or 14. Yeah. Nice. Whose lawnmower was it? Uh, it was my my mom's. Yeah. Well, my family's got to have a business partner. So helpful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Um, so, so that was my exposure to just running in the business and being entrepreneurial in that way. And um, I've really been technologically minded. And uh, from there, just delved into IT work and web development and digital marketing and uh, ultimately media production and live broadcasting. Very cool. What were you doing right before you founded Earth Coast? Uh, I was actually fixing people's computers and uh, doing virus removal and home IT network setup and printer, um, fixing pe- people's printers and those types of things. Cool. Very cool. So where'd you come? How'd you come up with the name Earth Coast? And has it changed at all since in the 10 years that you've been in business? It has. Yeah. So uh, it actually came to me in a dream love it love it <laughs> I, I, it's, it's I literally, always what it is that's always what it is i i, I <laughs> literally woke up one morning and i was like earth coast i was like this is a really interesting name let me see <laughs> if the domain name is available and it was i was like i couldn't believe it i was like earthcoast.com is available for registration like eight but eight ninety nine yeah let's let's do this you know sold and yeah. so that was uh back in 2008 2009 okay. um and then it didn't really get registered as an official LLC until 2011, 
uh, on 314 Pi Day. And so uh, I figure I got to be celebrating the official birthday of the company from the LLC registration. <laughs> and, and the infinite nature that your business has to grow. The sky's the limit, right? So I, I just, I do want to talk about when you first got started, how it went from kind of having this, this dream to finding, like, how did you find your first client? Yeah, well, um, first with the, the name as well, um, Earth Coast, the, the reason I think it really stood out to me is um, I was into uh, hip hop at the time very much. And uh, in, in, in rap and in the lyrics, there's a lot of East Coast and West Coast. And mm-hmm. the East Co- uh, you know, the, the Earth Coast is really beyond the coast. It's all one mm-hmm. Earth, one planet, and we're mm-hmm. all in this together. Um, and for, for me media really connects people in that way. It's from coast to coast, um, across all of the continents. Um, and what that vision has been for me is helping to tell people's stories and helping to show what people are really about. Because a lot of times, um, written content goes only so far, especially in this day and age when people are skimming websites. And I know that I, don't read websites. I at best skim them and just read a few lines that jump out at me. And, you know, you have to structure your online content, uh, for that. And video is able to jump that, uh, to the front of the line and be there for people who want to listen for people who want to watch and engage in this way. So, uh, it's a really powerful medium and, uh, live video, it takes it a notch further. And so it's here to stay. And it's, it's been pretty exciting consulting with uh, organizations and businesses on how to best um, create strategy that incorporates uh, media production in, in their business. Yeah. And we're definitely going to talk. That's, that's the next topic. We're going to talk about the importance of live broadcasting, because obviously that's a lot of work you've been doing lately. But I still am curious, did you, when you were first getting started, were you making cold calls? Were you talking to your sphere of influence? Or were you just, yeah. I don't know, going to networking events? Like, how did you get this thing rolling? Because I know some people who listen are probably thinking about starting their own ventures. They're younger. They want to be involved in this space. So what kind of advice could you give to them for just getting that first, you know, one, two, three clients? Yeah. I, I would say that for, for me, it uh, was a natural progression of things and, sure. and, and in the way that um, I really started with the, like I said, the kind of the lawn mowing thing. Mm-hmm. And then in speaking with my lawn mowing customers, um, uh-huh. they would figure out that, hey, like this person can really figure out and help me with my computers and my IT stuff. And that's really what I was kind of upselling them on, if you will. Um, and so then it naturally transformed to this it business. And then, uh, over time it was, it, it, it more from helping people with their, uh, home networks and virus removal and all of those things and being in their home to, Hey, like this person owns a restaurant and they need some it help and network switch configuration at their restaurant. So I'd help with that. And so by the time I was starting the media production, I already had a roster of, um, business slash, uh, home, uh, clients who knew me on the, uh, computer and network side of things. Yep. And so it was a natural offer to be like, Hey, like I do video production now. Do you need a video? I'll help you create a promo and a highlight reel. Um, so that was, uh, kind of the natural progression, uh, at yeah. the start of it, but ultimately it definitely required quite a bit of networking, 
Um, I know uh, I've been involved with all kinds of different groups and networking groups over the years. And uh, before COVID times, uh, I was very active and going to every type of meetup in Denver and going cool. to luncheons and dinners. And so if um, people are considering starting a business, I would definitely grow it organically, you know, as much as um, it helps to, and oh, actually as much as there's talk about running Facebook ads and doing the digital route, mm-hmm. um, I think at the beginning, it really helps to build organically and, um, you know, get a handshake in. Um, right. COVID, COVID safe, of course. Well, an elbow bump. <laughs> yeah. An elbow bump. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all about finding people who know, like, and trust you. And here's this guy who's 13 years old, showing initiative, dropping his business card on my, on my lawn, on my, my door. And then he mows my lawn. And then we have a nice conversation. Maybe you have a lemonade. And then as the years goes on, they're watching this kid. They're like, Oh, he's got a lot of initiative. He's hardworking. He's really into that technology stuff. So then they like, Oh no, um, Artem, my computer's broken. That guy, Artem, you know, he did such a great job on my lawn. Maybe he'll do this. And it's all about these relationships we have with people. Don't you think when it comes to business, it's about those people who know, like, and trust you, who will then refer you to someone else. Cause, cause it's about those, those connections that we build, like you said, organically. It is about the connections. And that is truly the, the power of the referral. And, um, I'm really happy and proud to say that, um, in the years that I've had the business, it has been primarily referral based. Uh, And so I have uh, done some campaigns and email campaigns for myself and certainly help uh, a lot of the organizations with those types of campaigns. And you you just can't really uh, beat what a a powerful, true referral of a happy client recommending you to their friend or colleague uh, does and is. Right. And you've got plenty of those now. You've been working with some reputable organizations that obviously I'm very interested in discussing. But before we get into who you've been working with, I'd just like to ask you, why do you think that live broadcasting is such a powerful tool? Even before COVID, I think you were you were working on this a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and the way that I really narrowed in on uh, live broadcasting, it was uh, through sitting down and thinking about what is the next step. Um, so I, at the time I had uh, been actively in web development, had built um, hundreds of WordPress sites for, for people and uh, have done video production as well, creating highlight reels and promo videos and thinking about what is the kind of perfect crossroads of video production, web development, IT knowledge and marketing. And the, um, really the crossroads and the X marks the spot was live broadcasting. It was really mm-hmm. coming, coming up because uh, it's not just video. It requires uh, an in-depth knowledge of IT and uh, network configurations and all of those types of things, at least to do it at the level that we are doing it on a production scale. Yeah. Um, at, at this day for, for people and businesses, uh, I really uh, encourage them not to think about the technical um you know, requirements of it because you have it right here in in your palm of your hand. And so you can go live on YouTube, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. every major uh, channel out there now has live video capabilities. And the reason it's so powerful is uh, because you can go live and be very much in the moment. And that's something that has not been possible before. And sometimes when you go live, you might have, you know, just a handful of people but those people are there to support you and they're very interested in what you have to say. And that type of communication has not been available. And it was really only available to 
people that ran news and broadcasting studios, right? right? And so now we have that, uh, we have that um, technology. And so utilizing it is um, just really, uh, you know, being a responsible um, organization leader and, um, you know, business owner. And just for anyone who's out there looking to create their own thing, um, engaging that way is very powerful. Um, and that, that's just on the uh, going live on social type of environment. And then the, the other side of the things that we do and help with is uh, facilitating, creating online conferences, online events, webinars, and those types of um, functions. And with uh, webinars and conferences, uh, that's a whole another piece to it where you're able to scale what would otherwise be a limited event in capacity based on the venue size and maybe only fitting, you know, 20, 30 people or even a hundred people. Now you're able to open it up to this wide range of people who don't have to travel and get on a plane. Um, they can uh, show up at the conference from anywhere in the world, provided that timing works out. It's always challenging mm-hmm. for our Australian folks to join a webinar and uh, Colorado, right, right. but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Um, cool. but it's, it's, it's a really powerful medium and, um, it just really opens the door. It's, it's a, it's a bit of a, um, it, it levels the playing field for sure. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about like the, the behind the scenes details you, you mentioned on your website, you really focus on collaborating with the organizations you're doing work with, like their existing teams to make sure that we're getting the exact product that they want. And of course, with something like a live stream, everything kind of has to be perfectly set up right before you get started. I mean, I do lives every single week as well, just because you really can get that, that genuine nature and kind of put on like people love like a performance, you know, and especially if it's very right. well articulated and put out, it's like, wow, this guy's not only doing this but it's live so i was just what's what's it like working with you know so you've done the work for the regenerative earth summit 2018 and 2019 and you've been doing some work with why on earth right yeah correct and those are all wonderful nonprofit organizations that we work with and uh the regenerative rising nonprofit uh we support a number of other organizations that do amazing work including um pet sustainability coalition and um, a number of different foundations that are focused on giving out grants to uh, students for scholarships. And um, uh, we, we, we definitely work with a number of different nonprofit organizations. And I, I think a, a big reason for that is the mission alignment piece. Sure. And it's just a natural uh, focus for us to be able to support an organization that we truly believe in. Um, and so when we know that we believe in whom we are supporting, then it's a lot easier to get into that brainstorming mindset and think about all the uh, opportunities that might be available uh, to create the most engaging media. And that's really what we specialize in and um, the way what um, certainly nurtures my soul to uh, do this type of work is to think about uh, not about a particular event as something that uh, can extend the, the, the reach for that, that brand and also create not just the recording of the event, but to think of it and script it uh, for the highlight reel, for the social media clips, because we come in with um, a full production setup and you know mm-hmm. sometimes it takes us uh, a day just to get everything configured and dialed in. Uh, and then we have our production days of you know, one or two or three days, depending on how long the conference might be. Um, and 
since we're already there and we have all the equipment and the lights and the sound recording and everything that it takes to run a show like that, uh, we want to record the interviews with people and record uh, content that will fill up the uh, content calendar for that organization for months to come. And sure, so a lot yeah. of times one event that might be a one day event uh, allows uh, someone to create uh, content for the next six months, sometimes even up to a year. And yeah. thinking through those things uh, just requires uh, a lot of pre-production um, on the front end and mm -hmm. to plan that out. And so I encourage people to think about uh, going live in that same way. I think it's um, I, I, a lot of times when people think about hosting something or just doing an event or going live, that the time that you're actually on camera is the work or the production. Yeah. And it's not because no. the majority of the time is spent in planning. So for uh, a recent um, um, fundraiser that we did a live broadcast for, for um, the Community College of Denver Foundation, uh, they, they provide a number of scholarships for their students. Um, they reached out to us back in uh, October of 2020 for an event happening in March of 2021. Cool. Oh, and we sounds, had spent like that. In, yeah, that, that took six months of planning for a fundraiser that was 45 minutes long. That's funny. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Though. I think people, a lot of people obviously don't own their own businesses, but if you are um, in this space where you own your own business, obviously you do the work. I mean, I do the same work as you, obviously not at the same level, but you, we're in a world where content creation is kind of everything. The only way to keep people's attention is to create these videos or do these events because nobody, I mean, I send out letters and stuff, but it is, we are in a world where people's attention spans are so short and everyone has all these different Netflix and Disney plus and all these things. And to get someone's attention, you can't just make, you know, like a 15 second commercial anymore. You actually have to be engaging every single week. And that's, what's cool about like what you said, when you have an event with all these amazing people and there's all these different speakers speakers, you can post it on your YouTube channel. You can, you can recycle content and keep people engaged every week. And that's kind of something that someone who's doing a lot of advertising can definitely appreciate. I'm wondering if you have like a story from, from an event that you ran where you were working with a team from a nonprofit where you like, they kind of communicated their vision to you and you guys were able to really collaborate together well, and you were really happy with how it turned out. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, um, why on earth, certainly comes to mind. You mentioned uh, that organization. I work very closely with uh, Aaron Perry, who um, stewards and leads that organization. They have a podcast and too, don't they? They do have a podcast. And I'll have to hit them up. Um, I've uh, helped to launch that podcast. And that actually came through right the conversation of really what, what is um, possible in this new digital sphere. Um, at the time, uh, Aaron had just launched and published his book, Why on Earth, uh, which is uh, an incredible manual on um, really nature and systems thinking around how we relate to this world uh, and paint, paints the picture of um, wh where we've been and where we're going. Uh, so it's always good to have that context. And helping to, to work with someone uh, through the entire uh, media campaign and entire media presence and online presence of an organization like that is something that um, I definitely enjoy doing because it allows us to not only think about a particular event, but uh, have a much 
more longer term plan and longer term thinking around what we do. Definitely. And to enable uh, the people in the organization to pr- create their own media as well. And that's something that I'm really inspired to do as well is to uh, teach people to use the tools that they have at hand, that it doesn't require a video and media production company for every mm-hmm. single thing that you create. In fact, I'm, you know, I certainly encourage everyone to create their own content as much as possible and right. uh, be very active on the, on the channels that are available to them. Uh, and so teach a man to fish is certainly a motto that I live by, uh, when it comes to technology and media. I love that. Well, you should check out some of my stuff, man. I'm pretty crazy. And I hope I try to be engaging as much as I can. Uh, this podcast is definitely one of the more chill mediums because I allow the other person to talk with, whereas with my vlogs and my videos, it's always just me like putting all my energy out there, but let, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's transition a little bit for, for a second. Cause we talked about, uh, the theory of eco-modernism in the beginning of this podcast. I just wanted yeah. to ask you about your kind of worldview of like eco ecocentrism. What, like, what does that word mean to you? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for uh, doing the research. We're philosophical uh, on this show. <laughs> yeah. Ecocentrism, uh, I think really places ecology and uh, the word eco is something that uh, comes from the root. And this is actually something that I've learned from uh, Aaron as well, is that it comes from the Greek word oikos. Um, and it's at the root of the word economy, ecology, um, and because of that, it's really a holistic way to think about what we're about. And so ecocentrism places that back. And um, it also really means home. And so mm-hmm. for me, our home planet um, is something that we obviously very much need. We're on this planet and um, I respect where we live. Um, and it's, it's very important to uh, have that perspective. And so how does that apply to media and the stories that we tell is really important. And to me personally, um, that, that means uh, really digging into the roots of folklore and um, looking at what inspires people from that perspective. Um, And it really starts delving into um, the mythology of a place and uh, the, the mythology that might inspire uh, an organization, uh, because when we're talking about mission and vision and purpose behind a particular organization, a lot of times there is um, a drive behind it and the principles that um, are leading that, that place. And it's connected to a much larger uh, world view and perspective. Uh, and when it comes to uh, being focused on the economy, ecology, and Mm -hmm. that ecocentrism it's something that really integrates um everything and uh yeah a lot of times in in business i translate that to uh people planet and profit the the triple bottom line yeah do you think that we kind of have a society that's more what would the word be like like homocentric do you think it's like a society our society is so focused on people and we would need to kind of focus more on place not necessarily has to be one or the other i'm just kind of trying to gauge your your thoughts on this yeah i I would say place is a very important uh aspect to it for sure um i having moved from another country Mm -hmm. Um, and now I really consider Colorado to be home and, um, the front range to be my home. I think it's really important to dig in and grow roots wherever you're at. 
uh, and in that way to integrate into the community and really build community and be in community where you exist uh, and build these connections like you're doing through your podcast and um, the way that uh, I'm, I've set out to do with, with media. You're doing uh, it, man. Th- these organizations that are doing the same uh, because when you don't feel rooted, when you don't feel like you have a home um, that, that is a place that you truly belong to. And it's something that you have to, um, really accept and, um, you know, say like, I belong to this place. Uh, and, uh, when you are constantly moving and when you're constantly on the move, uh, it just really doesn't, uh, lead to a place where you can be focused on the ecology, I would say, and the larger economy and all of those things. Yeah. Having a a broader perspective, I think is so valuable for gaining a better understanding of how things truly work. I think I might've mentioned this in in a couple in a previous episodes, but I really do having traveled to Australia and Asia and Europe and kind of seeing the way all different people live. It's very interesting for me to, to truly understand now that I've been back in the U S for a few years, how deeply individualistic our system is and how we incentivize people to really, truly like you and I are both entrepreneurs. We have these visions where we're going to go and save the world, but we want to do it in our way. You know, you're using your skill set with technology. I'm trying to use my skill set with voice and sales, but something I think we really do miss out on is this sense of community, which is kind of natural to human beings. Like we used to, we used to live in these tribes of 150 people and everyone would kind of pitch in to the system. And in, in our, our, education system in the US has taught us that you're you're an individual this is your your GPA this is who you are you need to go and forge your own path and i think it's kind of really detrimental in many many ways but obviously yeah we get very philosophical on this show i i want to ask you how how do you think we can more effectively spread information about big problems and big solutions like climate change or this lack of social connection that we've kind of hinted at a bit throughout the show yeah absolutely um you know, I can share that for me, uh, and this is sharing vulnerably, one of my uh, current growing edges is being able to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that it does. It does. Um, and so it, it's so much part of the fabric of our society that um, it, it's truly a challenge to be able to reach out and say, hey, like, this is something I could really use help on or, you know, I'm struggling in this area can you help me? And, um, I'm, I'm learning to do that. And it is difficult. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be for, for everyone. It is for me. And, um, I, I would just encourage everyone to think about how you can involve, uh, the people around you. Um, it's so easy, especially with, uh, the pandemic to be siloed and then just continuing to go inwards and inwards and inwards. And then you just you build this cocoon around yourself where it's really difficult to step out of it and to consider, um, you know, anyone else being in it in that way, uh, or to feel that you just don't have, um, you know, the people around you to reach out and ask uh, anything of. Uh, And uh, I would just encourage everyone to think that that there's plenty of people around you that you can reach out to. Um, And it it can be people in in any organization they belong to, uh, people even at the grocery store engaging with the, the store clerk and being um, really engaging in, in ways and, and trying to brighten someone's day uh, goes a long way. That, that is how you build community. And that, that's something that really begins to happen when you feel uh, a part of a place uh, yeah. is, is to 
be sharing something and, and just seeking to, you know, better the world around you in that way. And in the small ways uh, that uh, happen in, in the day-to-day activities. Um, and so that, that, that's something that is, uh, been helping me for sure to, to feel, uh, connected in that way. And, uh, further, um, just showing up in, for, for, for the types of organizations that are, are out there. I, that's mm-hmm. part of the reason that I'm so passionate in, uh, supporting the nonprofits and these right. types of organizations. And sometimes, um, you know, we, we do this for truly mission alignment and, um, you know, there's trades involved and all kinds of different things just to make it work because we feel so passionate to support um, what uh, someone might be bringing out into the world. And uh, I just really encourage people to research what's out there. Uh, Look at the nonprofits, look at the um, groups and uh, activities that, that are available because it does take a little bit of research. It's not something that you read on the front page of anything. You're not going to find, um, you know, the, the latest updates on, on the amazing nonprofits that are in the, in the area by reading a newspaper, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm in, in the larger sense, I'm seeking to uh, create more and more of that type of media and share the news of what is happening um, by very driven individuals who are setting out to change the world in those ways and how our food is grown and how are we produce our energy, how we relate with each other um, and how we really build the world around us, how we educate um, our children. And uh, it's just incredible what's out there. It's very inspiring and it's all in the face of very, very difficult times. And, yeah. uh, you know, also acknowledging how much um, strife and struggle there is. It's, it's really that interesting duality, right? Yeah. Dude, I, I love you, man. It's just everything you just said, like, kind of explains every single reason why I wanted to talk to you on this show today. So if it's any consolation, you've helped me today by just coming on and sharing your story. So I really, I really appreciate it. And I, I guess the next thing I wanted to ask you is kind of how you've seen this whole sustainability and regenerative business space evolve over the decade that you've been doing this work. Because you said we're at, we are at this kind of tipping point time right now. We are. Uh, and I, I think part of the reason is um, I enjoy language. I think uh, I, I hated learning English, by the way. I, I hated <laughs> learning English with a passion. Yeah. And now I've come to really enjoy in, uh, understanding new words and um, understanding the etymology behind things. I think it's really fun to understand the history and the roots uh, of where something comes from, because then you get to the core meaning of uh, what actually that word is supposed to represent. And a lot of times in the cultural context, it gets lost and that's a bit of a unfortunate thing. Um, but when um, I really started doing media production in this space, um, the word sustainability was at the forefront and mm-hmm. was really leading the way. And now uh, the word regeneration, regenerative Love it. Love it. is really right there at the front. And I think it's a really powerful word to take and run with. And I encourage all businesses, all organizations to consider what does regenerative mean to you? Mm-hmm. What does regenerative mean to your business? How can your business be regenerative? How can your business be regenerative for the community that you're in, for the environment that you're a part of? Um, certainly your supply chain, how can you know the things that are the input to what you consume be regenerative. And I feel like that's an quote unquote easy answer, 
Um, but obviously requires, um, drive and, uh, commitment to fully implement. Um, and there's incredible, uh, work being done on in that, in those areas and regenerative, uh, means sustainable inherently, Mm -hmm. but it also implies longevity. It implies thinking 20 years down the road, 50 years down the road, a hundred years down the road. And I think what, um, businesses who I'm very much inspired by businesses who do that. And there's, um, uh, amazing things out there like the B Corp certifications and, um, those types of things that allow, um, businesses to really be part of a community that's dedicated to, to that mission and vision. Um, and to, to be thinking about, uh, regenerative in that way is, is your, your edge. That is what's going to give you, uh, that competitive advantage. Um, because there might be businesses that are winning quote unquote today, but will they be around tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And, you know, thinking about what is going to be that regenerative practice that I can start to implement this year, this month, this week, um, that's going to set me apart 10 years down the road. Um, whether or not you're in business 10, 10 years down the road in a way, it doesn't matter because when you're thinking in those ways, you're thinking uh, on just a completely different level of how you operate. And it honestly brings a lot of uh, peace and contentment to, to the work. Um, I've been feeling that and um, it, it, it's, it's a really powerful word. So um, yeah, man. generative, that's, that's your word for the day. <laughs> well, hell yeah, it is. And it's, it's great to feel good about what you're doing. I think, again, back to the individualism problem, people, we force these people to find their own path and they end up in someone else's path who's, who's just kind of using them as a means to their own ends. When, when you're someone like you who has a, like a purpose behind what you're doing, you have like a vision. It's so, it's so amazing to get work done and realize that you're actually, that's the whole idea behind regenerative is giving back more than you take. And I do think a lot of the most successful companies really do do that, but we're going to get into talking about this kind of stuff a lot more and more. I definitely would love to talk to the people from the regenerative earth summit at some point. I'm sure you could have raving reviews about them. Hey. Yeah, so that's another uh, organization that I've um, helped to launch a podcast for is the Regenerative oh, cool. Rising Movement. And so uh, I, yeah, absolutely. So uh, Selene uh, Diaris uh, does incredible work and they're actually hosting a number of um, Regenerative Earth Summits. And so I was there uh, kind of for the inaugural launch uh, of that that was uh, done in collaboration with a number of um, other organizations and it has since really transformed and they've been able to uh, take that on and bring people under this regenerative earth summit movement. And it's a, an ongoing uh, webinar series. Uh, that's an ongoing conversation. And it's really important to have those types of um, questions be formed and then people from different industries be coming under the same roof to answer kind of a similar question, but from their own perspective. So an example of that would be um, textiles. Like how often do we think about how regenerative our clothing is? Mm-hmm. Um, and how often, like for the Pet Sustainability Coalition, how often do we think about how sustainable the uh, packaging is in which our dog food comes from? Uh, and, and the fact that uh, one third of all of the protein produced in the world goes to pets. Uh, you know, you just learn some of these facts where it's, it's, it's really mind blowing and it really pause, it causes you to pause. 
and go, wow, um, yeah, this is a lot. And I'm glad that there's an organization that has chosen to dive head, head first into the silo. And they're like, no, we're doing this. Like we want to transform the pet food industry. We mm-hmm. want to transform the textile industry. We want to transform packaging. And I think this is where um, I, I hear from the other side of things where people feel so um, at a loss of like, how do we even begin to untangle this mess that we're in? You know, and it just feels so hopeless. Just never give up. And it's like, well, we have to focus on the thing that, you know, each, each one of us is passionate about. And this is how it's done is it's these like individual kind of silo things where we, we start to think about like who made this cup and, mm-hmm. you know, and a very different question of who made this pen and what are all the resources that go into all of these things. Yeah. Very cool, man. I don't know if you've noticed throughout this podcast, but I can see myself in you like a lot. I'm only 23 years old. I've always been very interested in filmmaking and technology. I've been very entrepreneurial since I was a young guy. So it's been a real honor to to speak with you today. And I guess my last question is kind of what final advice do you have for a young entrepreneur that's really dedicated to creating a positive impact on the world? Yeah, I really congratulate you on starting the podcast and running with it and you know, for you it's personally, just encourage you to continue with it. Um, 100%. every week. Yeah, this is amazing. Um, don't, my... don't stop and uh, <laughs> never give up. <laughs> never give up. Uh, <laughs> I, I would just encourage uh, everyone who is thinking of um, starting their own business to, to just do it and try it. And um, don't be afraid um, of, of trying those types of things. And uh, it might not be for you, you know, uh, there's definitely, uh, times that I felt it would be so much easier to, um, you know, get uh, a nine to five and, you know, in a lot of ways that it would be uh, in plenty of ways, it would be, uh, it is not an easy path to be an entrepreneur, but if that's something that uh, calls you, then try it and see if um, it's yours. Um, and for those who are already on that journey, um, I, I would say just keep collaborating. That's something that, um, certainly is coming up as a theme in Mm -hmm. um the the people that i'm connected with is that i think we're all at this point especially coming out of the pandemic are really feeling like wow we just really need to build this fabric and um i I personally am very inspired to be connected to someone like yourself um, and more people who are um certainly our age but that age has nothing to do with it it's honestly just the, the type of, I guess, inspiration and drive that's behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of um, organizations that are dedicated to networking, including, you know, business chambers, Boulder Chambers, amazing resource. And I always feel like there is this next thing that's possible in terms of how we connect and, and, and network. Um, and, and I'm, you know, looking to what that may be. Um, yeah, me too. And uh, I think just, continuing to, uh, look at, at those things is, uh, really important. And, um, you know, there, there's new things coming out like clubhouse. Um, I feel like, uh, that that's an interesting platform for conversations to connect mm-hmm. with. But I think, um, for, for those who might not be familiar with clubhouse, it's a kind of like a podcasting platform, but it's an audio first platform. And, um, I'm not trying to sell the platform itself, but I think the, <laughs> um, the sentiment. The, 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 the sentiment behind it is, is exactly right, which is people show up 
And when you engage in conversation, truly asking the question, uh, what could help you? Like what can benefit your next step? And um, I think uh, being uh, helpful to people around you uh, allows you to grow at a much faster pace and also feel um, in community. That That is part of um, being integrated into our social fabric. And when we get disconnected from the social fabric that we're in, it's a challenging place and it can be very depressing. Totally, man. Yeah, we all can relate to that over the last year. Sorry, I got one more for you. Have you, have you ever read Principles by Ray Dalio? I have. That is an incredible book. Incredible Probably one book of the best. Ever. I think it's like, yeah, just yeah, you're looking for it. And then I'm, you're looking, I'm looking on my... Yeah, uh, bookshelf. It's 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 probably at home, but <laughs> yeah, I think the concept of of looping, where you know, there's everything is another one of those. Whether you when you uh you get you get broken up with, or you lose a client, or a deal falls through, or whatever, it's all about understanding that these things happen in life, and it's like a way to you have to improve yourself and be ready for the same kind of situation to happen again, and have the knowledge to not make the same mistakes again, because you know you know if deals fall out you lose clients you have success how can you everything is like another one of those i just thought that was really cool to kind of throw in at the end artem it's been a pleasure talking to you man i really appreciate you coming on yeah it's been an honor and a pleasure as well and um i look forward to uh maybe meeting you in person uh Definitely. sharing a cup of coffee it'd be an absolute honor and we'll i'll keep you posted on the whole trying to get everyone to network and communicate together better because that's something i'm really working on as well so everyone thank you so much for listening this week it's been an absolute pleasure artem hope you have a nice weekend you as well cheers take care everybody thanks so much for listening to changing the climate a podcast hosted by climate change realty the most innovative real estate corporation ever conceptualized Visit ccrboulder.com today.